0: Hello, and welcome to the Association of California Nurse Leaders podcast. My name is Charlene Platon, chair of the Communication and Voice of Nursing Committee within ACNL. And here at ACNL, we are so excited to launch our inaugural podcast episode. And our inaugural podcast guest today is Dr. Garrett Chan. Garrett is president and chief executive officer of Health Impact, California's nationally recognized nursing workforce center. Garrett served as director for the Center for Education and Professional Development and director of advanced practice at Stanford Healthcare. He currently is an associate adjunct professor at the University of California, San Francisco, and he earned his PhD and master's in nursing and completed post-master's work as an acute care nurse practitioner at the University of California, San Francisco. He also completed a postdoctoral fellowship at the National Institute of Health's Summer Genetics Program, and completed the American College of Health Executives Senior Executive Program in Healthcare Administration. He is an elected fellow in the Academy of Emergency Nursing, Palliative Care Nursing, Clinical Nurse Specialist Institute, National Academies of Practice, and the American Academy of Nursing. Garrett is also a close colleague and friend of mine and is the first person I met at Stanford Healthcare. And it's so great to have you on the podcast, Garrett. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Charlene. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's an honor to be the inaugural podcast lecturer.
0: (laughs) Yes, we are so excited. And first, I just want to say happy Nurses Month, happy Mental Health Awareness Month, and happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. There's just so much to celebrate this month and so much to talk about. So let's get right to it. And so your role within Health Impact is so unique, especially when it comes to nursing practice. And could you tell us a little bit more about Health Impact and what you're currently working on?
1: Sure. So as you mentioned in the introduction, Charlene, um, Health Impact is the California Nursing Workforce and Policy Center. And it's a really outstanding organization. As a matter of fact, I was looking back at some of the work that we've been doing, and realize that actually it's the 20th year of Health Impact this year. So, um, it, we've wow. done a lot of work. Yeah, it's been exciting um, to think about what all the work has been done um, as it relates to Health Impact. And so, Health Impact started in 2001 with a different name, it was the California Institute for Nursing and Healthcare. And it was led by Dolores Jones who is a very famous and well-known nurse leader in California. She's been a past president of ACNL. Um, She was a chief nurse executive within the Kaiser system. And it was really an honor to meet and work with Dolores when she was the CEO of the California Institute for Nursing and Healthcare. Then in Um, 2015, um, under the leadership of the second CEO of Health Impact, Judy Berg, um, the California Institute for Nursing and Healthcare changed its name to Health Impact to focus more on how nursing can improve the health of people living in California. And so through different iterations, we've created um, our most current vision, mission, and value statements. And our vision at Health Impact is a highly skilled healthcare workforce, optimizing health through innovation, interprofessional leadership, and nursing excellence. And our mission is to shape healthcare through workforce strategy, stakeholder convening, and policy advocacy. And some of the core values that guide our work and the decisions that we make every day to achieve our mission are to create initiatives that ultimately improve health, build strategic partnerships through diversity, inclusivity, and equity, be courageous in taking strategic risks and using scientific evidence to gather, excuse me, to advance a greater good and empower staff partners and the community to make changes in the world. And so it's through this lens of our mission, vision, and values that we engage in many different projects uh, that have an impact on health and well being through nursing practice and interprofessional leadership to um, improve the lives of Californians.
0: That's amazing, Garrett. Thank you so much for sharing about health impact and the mission and the vision and, and what you're all focusing on for the nursing workforce. And uh, could you let me know too, um, in your opinion, what do you think are the major focuses when it comes to nursing in California? And, um, and I'm sure that relates to the mission of, of uh, Health Impact as well, but could you tell us a little bit too about what you think are the major um, challenges that you see in nursing and um, what the focuses are?
1: Sure. Well, today it's May 6th, 2021. And we are now coming out of this very difficult time with the COVID-19 pandemic. It has affected all of us personally and professionally. And being the California Nursing Workforce and Policy Center, one of our major foci is on workforce strategy. And Health Impact has identified six key areas of nursing workforce preparation and development. And the six areas are the kindergarten through 12th grade pipeline, prerequisite education. So all the prereqs that um, nursing students need to take in order for them to be eligible to be nursing students. Pre licensure education, both at the RN and the advanced practice registered nurse levels, upskilling the workforce. So after somebody graduates and passes the NCLEX or takes the national certification exams for advanced practice registered nurses, um, the healthcare environment constantly changes. um, And so how do we help nurses Keep up with those changes in the workforce and the healthcare um, settings. So, upskilling the workforce is the term that we use. Retention and well being, especially now uh, in the midst of this pandemic, has really brought this to the forefront. And ACNL and the American Nurses Association in California have really taken a, taken a strong stand in retention and well being and the concept of workforce migration. So migration has historically been thought of in terms of geography. So nurses moving from perhaps the Bay Area in Los Angeles where there isn't really a shortage of nurses um, moving towards perhaps the central coast or the central valley um, to gain experience. Um, But we have been noticing that There are people who move to those areas like the Central Coast, Central Valley, or the Inland Empire. And then after a few years of getting experience, um, they're migrating back to um, the Bay Area, Orange County, San Diego, Los Angeles. Um, And so this migration uh, creates opportunities as well as some challenges in terms of the stability of the workforce, Um, in these uh, areas where they desperately need more nurses. And so understanding the concept of geographical migration, both within the state and externally to the state. So people who wanna come into the California and people who are leaving California is um, of interest to health impact. But not only the geographic migration of nurses is of concern to health impact, but also the migration Um, of nurses, perhaps within facilities, like let's say somebody is a ICU nurse and now they want to go into the emergency department or the OR. Um, And so those migrations um, among specialties and also migration of uh, nurses in terms of um, advanced practice or advanced degrees. So after you a, a person gets a master's degree or a, or a doctoral degree, um, what kind of migration? So maybe they go from uh, med search into quality or into education or research. And so um, again, that creates changes within the healthcare uh, systems and agencies, um, both in the acute care setting as well as the ambulatory setting as well as nurses becoming entrepreneurs. And Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you, Charlene, and your work um, and being recognized as a Johnson & Johnson innovative leader, innovation leader. Um, And so as we're looking at these different movements of nurses within California, um, one of the things that becomes a challenge in terms of workforces, we have no stability. So we always know that Mm -hmm. we have a change. And so, understanding that migration is very important. So, these are the key areas of workforce strategy that Health Impact has been looking at pre pandemic. And now, in the pandemic, where we know that, again, as I mentioned, ACNL and ANA California have really taken on well being and healthy work environments as key initiatives within those uh, two organizations. Um, what Health Impact has been uh, focusing on is the workforce pipeline. So what can we do in the K through 12 arena to make it more attractive for um, students to think about a career in health, the health professions? Um, what kind of prerequisite education is required and how do we reduce barriers um, in the prerequisite arena so that people can enter into nursing more easily? And then the pre-licensure education. So what are some of the challenges that we have been seeing, especially in last year, where we saw um, a a real disruption in the delivery of healthcare where in California, and in my opinion, very rightfully so, where we, suspended elective surgeries to, in preparation mm-hmm. of a COVID surge, um, that, um, create, that was the right thing to do because my background is emergency trauma. Right. And so I've right. been doing <laughs> disaster nursing, um, yeah. since, since 1995, when I first joined the American red cross as a volunteer disaster nurse, um, you know, you had to be prepared and we had to be prepared, um, for, because we were noticing our colleagues in uh, the hot spots like New York City who were really struggling um, early in the pandemic. And so we needed to be prepared. And also with the lack of PPE or personal protective equipment, it wasn't readily available to the staff. And so when you had, you know, students also needing needing protection um, and with a scarce resource of PPE, there had to be some hard decisions, and some organizations kept nurses. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. kept nursing students coming. Others um, put a pause um, again to protect as many people as we could, and so it did create um, a, a disruption in the pipeline. Um, and now we're um, needing to address the issues as a result of that um, that pause. Um, And so one of the things that I'm very concerned about um, in terms of the pipeline is how do we make that bridge? How do we have the transition to practice for new graduates into the workforce? Um, And so that's one of the things that um, we're thinking about and looking at.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Garrett. I actually think it's excellent, all the different challenges that you pointed out for nursing. I absolutely agree that there are challenges um, as soon as when you're in you know, elementary or grade school and there's a lot of opportunity to transition or to transition students into thinking about nursing. And I think that there's a lot of room for opportunity in all these different levels. Uh, I do think that the topic of work migration that you brought up was really, really interesting, especially thinking about how diverse that topic could be you know, not only geographic migration, but specialty migration, which is something I hadn't really thought about too much. But it's absolutely, um, you know, it absolutely does happen. And it does impact the workforce, especially in California, where um, it does seem like a lot of people do, um, you know, they might move or they might change their um, specialty. So that definitely resonates. And I've seen that in my practice as well. And then In terms of the workforce pipeline, I think you bring up some excellent points just in terms of pre-pandemic and then during the pandemic right now and just the challenges that come with the workforce and what we could do or, you know, just the challenges with retaining nurses and having, you know, and at the same time, maintaining a healthy work environment. And just with all those different things to consider do you think that now, since we've been a year into this pandemic, do you think that the workforce pipeline is still really, you know, challenged to, to fix, or what do you think the state is right now of the workforce pipeline now that we're a year into it?
1: Yeah. Great question, Charlene. Um, the workforce pipeline is essential for us to deliver care to people in California. And there are some things that nursing leaders can really um, play a significant role in ensuring the workforce pipeline movement. Um, It is estimated, and I don't have the exact citation at uh, at my fingertips, but it is estimated that one in five nurses are potentially going to leave direct care nursing um, and Mm -hmm. choose other um, careers within nursing, kind of the whole concept of migration, right? Um, And so how do we help the pipeline be successful in moving forward into direct care uh, positions after graduation? And so, transition to practice programs are so essential. And, mm-hmm. and how do nurse leaders engage in solid transition to practice programs where there's a lot of support for these new grads? Um, and also, how do um, leaders in nursing help ensure that we create meaningful clinical experiences? for these, uh, nursing students. Right. One of the things, yeah. One of the things that I am very concerned about, honestly, is, you know, what kind of clinical experiences, um, are, um, preparing nurses to pick up the practice of nursing. And, um, I did my PhD, with, under uh, Dr. Patricia Benner, who some of you, oh, hopefully most of you know. That's great. I didn't, yeah.
0: I didn't realize you did that with um, Dr. Benner. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's been really exciting. Uh, we, we've had a long re- um, friendship and, uh, and, and relation work relationship. Um, now I didn't study uh skill acquisition, novice to expert, but you can't leave Dr. Benner's sphere without getting some of that. And so um, so one of the things that we've done is we've created at Health Impact the Benner Institute for Teaching and Learning, because there are some things that we can do better in the education sphere. And this is not just for academic um, educators, it's also for Healthcare facility educators is how do we move into the 21st century um, using new learning and neuroscience um, pedagogies to help people pick up the practice of nursing. And I did a recent research study um, that is published actually in this month in the Journal for Continuing Education and Nursing. And it's one of congratulations. The, oh, thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, it's one of the first studies that quantified this gap between what is being taught in academia and what the practice needs, um, as it relates to um, uh, nursing practice to be, you know, a, a good advanced beginner or early competent. Um, uh, nurse at the bedside and um some of the things that we found in this particular study was that there were sig- some significant um challenges as it re- or or honestly unfortunately some deficits um in this um tra- gap excuse me in this academic practice gap so it, one of the things that we did was in our pretest. So these were new grads who entered into um, a, a particular program, and this was a pilot project. Is that we used a um, online simulation program that was created by Dr. Benner and some colleagues called Novex N O V E X, and what we found was that in the pretest, so this was again to measure. What people knew and how to practice um, coming into a transition to practice program, we measured certain things like percent pass rates of top 15 medical conditions. And we found that um, two of the medical conditions, one was diabetes and the other was stroke. In the pre-test, we found that 0% of the new grads in this pilot project passed diabetes and stroke Ooh. 3% of yeah 3% <laughs> of the new grads passed care of patients with COPD and DVT 8% passed taking care of acute coronary syndrome And ten percent of the new grads passed sepsis. Wow!
0: In addition,
1: yeah. In (laughs) addition, we found that there were um, around sixty-three percent of the um, new grads um, caused the sentinel error, sentinel event, and also in total there were seven hundred and sixty-six medication errors.
0: Mm, wow, this is a lot of um, really great data actually. That's pretty amazing that you were able to capture all that.
1: Yes and and um, so that was the the surprising news. Um, and we found that through this online simulation program, we were able to quickly um, remediate uh, the knowledge deficits and the practice deficits and got, people to high pass rates, um, 70 you know 74, 75 to 94 percent in the 15 different medical conditions. and these are the top wow. medical conditions that we see in acute care. things like mm-hmm. abdominal pain, acute coronary syndrome, um, acute excuse me, acute kidney injury, anaphylaxis, COPD, diabetes, deep vein thrombosis, GI bleeds, heart failure, hepatic um, dysfunction, hypervolemic shock, pneumonia, pulmonary embolism, sepsis, and stroke. And so it wasn't, we were not trying to test things that were esoteric or not well-known. These are the top 15 um, admission diagnoses um, in acute care systems across the United States. So Mm -hmm. it was um, a really... Um, eye-opening and yet uh, an opportunity for us to um, help this transition to practice so that our workforce can be adequately prepared um, and help protect patients and improve quality and safety in acute care settings.
0: That's amazing, Garrett. Thank you so much for sharing that insight and those details with us. I do agree that those were surprising results, and uh, it's also good to know that there are efforts towards improving our education, improving our transition to practice for new nurses and for student nurses. And I, you know, it's it's just amazing where education is going, especially with the simulation that you mentioned. I think that's really progressive and really novel. And Honestly, now I'm really curious to try that out. I think that'd be really awesome to test and and to see what that's like. But I, I do think that the more simulation, the better um, as early as possible in the training for our nurses. And um, and I feel like we could talk about this. For, there's just so many questions I have. And and uh, unfortunately, we're coming to a close now here um, today. But Um, with the last few minutes that we have, I just wanted to ask, you know, as a nurse leader for, um, you know, for some time and as a longstanding member of the ACNL, is there anything that you'd like to share to our listeners right now when it comes to nursing leadership or just any, uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to share with, um, the listeners today?
1: Yes. Thank you, Charlene. It's just been a pleasure to be here with you today. And again, a great honor to be the inaugural podcast. Um, One of the things I would want to share with my fellow ACNL um, members, but also to any nurse leader, um, wherever they are in their career trajectory, is to think about how can we do things better? How can we we reduce wastes? how can we increase value in the system for not only our patients, but for our colleagues and for the health health system or clinical agency itself, whether you're in acute care or a clinic um, or critical access hospital or home care. How do we reduce waste and not do what I commonly say is just one more thing, Common, you know, historically we've had in nursing, oh, we'll we'll just do one more thing. We'll just add this one thing on. And it creates a tremendous burden for frontline staff, but also for us as nurse leaders. And so in this pandemic for me has shown that nurses and nurse leaders can be incredibly creative, reduce barriers, Um, reduce wastes so that we can actually spend the time that we have because there's only 24 hours in a day and I don't recommend people working 24 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But how do we help, you know, make things meaningful and valuable? And do we ask for too many things because it just ended up to be one more thing that we asked for? And so I would implore nurse leaders again within ACNL but also um, throughout the world to think about how do we meet the minimum requirements that may be set forth by regulatory agencies or by governmental agencies. Of course, we do have regulations and laws that we have to follow, but how do we create meaningful um, interactions um, and processes so that we can actually improve the environment that we work in and the, improve the environments in which we deliver care.
0: Thank you so much, Garrett. I think that those are great um, words of wisdom to think about and great insights as you know, as we move forward in our leadership and also for nurses who are considering leadership. I think it's great to think about how can we make meaningful change and just like you said, meaningful improvements to our processes, because nurses are definitely the experts when it comes to that. So there's a lot of great opportunity there. And imagine what healthcare would look like if all the ideas that nurses had were a reality, right? It would look probably very different than what we have now. But, but I just want to say thank you so much, Garrett, for being our inaugural podcast guest. It was so amazing to talk to you today. And we are so excited again to have you here. And it was a privilege as always. And thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Charlene. And thank you to ACNL for this wonderful opportunity. And I wanna wish everybody a happy Nurses Month, happy Nurses Week. And I wanna send you all my best uh, for a healthy um, you know, future moving forward.
0: Thank you so much, Garrett. Our guest today was Garrett Chan from Health Impact. To learn more about the work they're doing, visit healthimpact.org. ACNL in Action is a production of the Association of California Nurse Leaders. To learn more, visit acnl.org. New episodes of this podcast will be available on the first Friday of every month. See you next time.